Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Val Reese. Val has spent years turning around struggling teams, uplifting low morale, and making sure that workplace productivity actually works. As the founder of Executive Muse, she has guided over a thousand leaders in building their own top performing teams at Fortune 500 companies and small businesses. Val is the author of the new book, Chief Inspiration Officer, How to Lead the Team Everyone Wants to Be On. Thanks so much for joining me today, Val. I'm so happy to be here, Diana. I am thrilled to have you here. Now, um, so I want to talk some about this Chief Inspiration Officer. So in your book, Chief Inspiration Officer, you say that while leaders serve as that chief inspiration officer, they also serve as a muse to their team. And I really want to understand that better. So will you share? Yeah, yeah, of course. When I was first promoted and thrown into a leadership role, I really, like most individual contributors, didn't know what I was doing. And I thought if I was good in my role that people would just naturally listen or or respect or or follow my lead but that didn't quite happen the way I had anticipated it to happen and so I found myself frustrated annoyed irritated and and feeling that pressure of, of hitting a number a goal and, and deadlines and I would try to turn to my boss or HR or other colleagues but it didn't feel like I was quite getting the support that I was craving. And it was in that moment, I felt like I need to be my own inspiration. I can look for it outside of myself, but first it has to start with me. And when I can be my own muse and be inspired by my thoughts and my journey and, and get excited to come to work every day, then I can be amused to others and also support them in, on their journey and help them be excited to be at work every day. So that's how that concept of the muse came to be. I love that. I, I Yeah, thank you for that. I, I really um, understand that. And, and I also um, could relate to your experience. It, it is a weird thing when you go into leadership and I think we have certain expectations, but we're not necessarily taught, you know, people expect that we're going to know what we're doing. Um, but there, there are some of those elements that maybe they're hard to teach, maybe, uh, you know, they're second nature. I don't know exactly what they are, but that whole inspiration piece and it is sometimes 
not as easy to nail down and, and really get your arms around. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, we, no matter what role we're in and no matter where we work at, we are to feel that lockdown. That's just the reality of life because we have emotions and we're trying to process these emotions and we work with different personalities and sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not. So part of what I dive into in the book is, is when to recognize when those emotions get the best of us and then we're not as influential or as impactful with those around us. So that's the, um, the cave process that I developed, it's, it's like, we're in the cave metaphorically, like it might seem a little dark, but we can still see light out outside of the cave. So we can still respond to emails and make phone calls, but we're also kind of like in this hidden tunnel, like shrinked away in the corner going, please just everyone like leave me alone and do what I need to. Right. So it's that interesting like how do I inspire from that place when life is just sometimes making us feel like we don't want to be inspirational (laughs) so yeah okay so let's talk about the the method for freeing yourself up so that you can effectively lead a team what does that look like yeah so cave is 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 an acronym and it stands for, um, the C is criticism. So naturally what happens is we want to judge what other people are doing because it helps us gain perspective. It helps us feel right. It helps us feel validated. So when we have criticism of others, it will actually keep us from really connecting with somebody else. So the first thing is just being aware, like, okay, what am I saying about this person? How am I judging them? Am I saying they're lazy? They're, they're incompetent. They're not doing it right. Uh, and so let's just identify that. Cause if we can identify our criticism, it'll, it'll help us have some perspective there. Um, the A stands for assumption. So we begin to assume that just because somebody was the way they were in the past or because a certain situation happened in the past, we assume that it's always going to be that way in the future. And so it's kind of like the past is predicting our future and our present moment. And so getting out of that, we want to ask ourselves, like, what can we let go of? What assumptions, what beliefs, what, what's holding us back that we just, if we could just let go of that a little bit, because we're evolving and we're learning new skills and as are they perhaps, maybe, maybe not, but it doesn't matter. We are just by listening to this podcast, by, by, by picking up a book or an article or talking to a friend, like we are constantly evolving. So what can we let go of? And then the V of cave is, is victim mindset. This is when we go into that, like, well, if this person is acting this way, then it must mean that I'm not doing something right, or I'm failing or imposter syndrome, or I'm not good enough. Or what if my business fails? Or what if I can't get enough sales? Like we kind of go into those what ifs, and then we get led by fear. And then that, that stifles our ability to really connect with our our audience or our vision. And lastly, the last part of the cave is 
are enclosed patterns and enclosed patterns are like our default behaviors. So when we're under stress and we don't like something, we might be defensive or passive or passive aggressive, or we might avoid. And when that happens, uh, it is once again, difficult to be as impactful and productive as we wanna be. So it's really asking ourselves, well, who would I rather be instead? If there's stress, if there's conflict, who, how do I want to show up? Well, you know what? I want to show up confident and calm and positive, and I want to learn from the situation. So it's putting that intention forward. And so recognizing the cave, but then also shifting out is going to help you see the light and be operating your business more in the light versus in the dark of the cave. Got it. So as you were talking about that, I was thinking we all hopefully, have at least someone who we have seen really rise to the occasion in a stressful situation or two. And, you know, so is it helpful to think about, boy, you know, I'd like to be like him or her, you know, I'd like to be able to react or respond like them as opposed to how I have been? I think it's certainly nice when we have a role model or someone that we can envision like a really great former coach or boss or teacher or mentor and we we can pull out those attributes uh to remind ourselves like how we want to show up for certainly and I also really feel like we all have our own unique gifts and strengths and sometimes they just get a little buried or hidden when we're under stress, but they're there. You know, I I always, when I work with my clients, I always say like, what is it about you that makes you great? Uh, And that, that can feel maybe a bit egoic, but we are all unique in our own way. So I think it's great. Yes. To be inspired by others and to also remind ourselves what is, what is great about our own personality and, and gifts and, and, unique way of looking at things. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So I have been wanting to ask you this question. Um, So I'm going to jump right to it. I, would you please explain just even your opinion, but what, whatever you think about, why is it that so many first time leaders think that they can still be friends with employees? Is, is it that they just want to, or, you know, what's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Such a great question. I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's a combination of things. Some leaders, their, their gift is to be very encouraging, very compassionate, kind, caring. And in that, the relationship between manager and friend can, the lines can get blurred. So I think that's kind of the first reason. I think the second reason is many of us want to be liked. We want to feel validated and accepted, and we want that connection with people. And so naturally the idea is if I'm friends with my employee, um, then they will like me more. And if, 
And if I'm there for them and support them and they see that I really have their back and I, and I can sympathize with what they're going through, then they will, they will like me more and respect me more. So I think between those two things, uh, you see, you see that crossover happen. Um, oh, and there's probably a third thing, right? Is let's say you were a colleague yeah. and then now you were promoted yeah. and you still maintain that, that level of friendship, even though your role has changed. That's, That's a tough tricky. one though, yeah. isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it, and it can still happen. I mean, I, I would imagine even still with small business, right? Two friends might go into business together as partners, or you might hire a friend because there's that no like trust already established. Right. Uh, so there needs, there definitely needs to be expectations that are set <laughs> and defined really clearly between two people that know each other well. And there is a bit of a difference and it's okay to, it's okay to communicate what that difference is and to talk it through. Yeah. So it ends up being about, um, communication, but this is a perfect segue into my next question, which is explain to the listeners what the five things are that employees crave the most from their leaders. Cause mm -hmm. I'm not sure it's what the leaders think, mm -hmm. yeah. you, you know, like I think, you know, asking this question about wanting to be friends, I, okay, that's what the leader wants, but what do the employees want? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question because I think when we are promoted, we can lose sight of what it is we wanted when we were in an individual contributor role. Yeah. And so CRAVES stand is, an, is another acronym. I love my acronyms. <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> um, so the first thing is connection. So, so Employees definitely want connection. Now, that doesn't need to come in the form of being a best friend. It can just come in the form of they feel united to the people that are also on the team. When they are onboarded, they feel welcomed. They get maybe a handwritten thank you card or a logo with, with something like, like a sweater with a logo on it, their name, they just all, they feel that connection. They feel that they're part of a community. Uh, when there are phone calls, there's a little bit of time to, to get to know each other or do icebreakers or just to chuckle about something. So that connection is something that when people feel a part of a community, they tend to stay longer. Uh, research does show that. And then the next thing that employees are craving is reliability from the person they work for. So if you say, I'll get back to you tomorrow and it takes you three days, there's a bit of a trust that gets broken and lost. So I know we can get into being busy and forgetting to return emails or phone calls, but it's a constant balance of making sure that when you say you're going to do something, you, you do follow through with it. Uh, the third thing, and this is actually the number one thing is appreciation. Uh, people want to feel valued. They want to feel like you recognize that they put in the time and they, they, maybe the work isn't, let's say perfect and to your standards. So tens happen as leaders go right into what's wrong with the work. 
And we do want to stop and, and talk about, oh, wow, I really like this idea, or I noticed you came to the table, or you put in the effort, or you really did the research, or whatever it is that you recognize. And appreciation is the number one motivator over money. And it's not to say money isn't important, because obviously I have to assume that with the Crave model, there's equal and fair compensation happening. So that that's probably what I should say first. Once that's in place, these five things do take over as precedent. So that's, so it's appreciation. And then next is value. It's, it's feeling like their work makes a difference and has purpose and is, is doing something. If you can connect their job, no matter how far removed it is from the customer to the difference it will make for the customer and they feel more purpose in their work. And then the fifth part of Crave is effective communication. So how often are you communicating changes? Are you keeping them abreast of what's happening? Uh, some of this is like anticipatory communication, like what might they be thinking and feeling and where might they not know what's happening? So that's part of the struggle with new leaders. It's like, how do we anticipate what people might need to know when we are new in our leadership role and we don't know yet? <laughs> so it's, it's a dance. Um, but the more you anticipate, the more effective your communication is going to be. Uh, and there's other things that go into communication, like listening and putting that phone down or you know, stopping the emails and not multitasking and really acknowledging what people are saying, even if you don't agree just acknowledging like, yeah, that, that sounds like that's tough today, or it sounds like you've had a really bad day, or it sounds like you have a lot going on. Like we don't have to agree. We just take time to listen and, and, and acknowledge. So that's all part of effective communication. And those are the five things employees are craving. And when we give them more of those things, we in turn get more back in what we need from them. So it's really a win-win. So. Oh my gosh. How do I want to ask this question? Um, it feels to me like we need to be doing those things first because the employee needs to learn to expect these things, to trust us, to feel valued. I mean, is that is that a fair interpretation of that. It's not that they'll get it. They'll get these things once they prove their value. Yeah. I, well, I think there's a, a dance that happens. Mm. Um, if we can be really clear as small business owners, what we're needing before we even hire an employee then we're going to have a better chance of getting the right person. Uh, so that's that effective communication piece of Crave. And I think that if, if anything needs to happen first, it's probably that. So in a perfect scenario, before someone even comes onto your team where you're creating connection and reliability and appreciation, you're, you're really clear on what is my ideal employee or vendor or contractor, because I recognize some of your listeners may not have employees, but they may need to work with a VA or, or a, a contractor at some point. Um, so just getting really clear on, 
okay, if, 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 if I had the perfect scenario here and I can find the perfect hire, what are those qualities that I'm really looking for? Because there's the, there's the job responsibility and there's the qualifications. And then there's this third piece that gets overlooked really often, which is what are those values that I crave employees? And if I can get those values on my team and then in turn, I can give them what they're craving, then we have unity. And when we have unity, we have loyalty, we have productivity. So I would actually start there. That's great. Boy, I completely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense to me. If you're a small business owner or salesperson who struggles with getting the sales results you're looking for, grab a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon and wherever books are sold. And if you haven't seen all audible.com has to offer, you don't know what you're missing. Sign up for a free trial at audibletrial.com slash business growth. How does all of this play out in, in this new world that we're living in where so many teams are working remotely? How do we make sure that we're, you know, we've got that engagement from our employees and that they are feeling the things that they're craving from us? Yeah. You know, it's, Interesting because before all this happened, most of what I did was remote. I was managing a team of sales people that were all over the country or all, I should say all over the US, right? So I was traveling to them and most of what we did was on, was virtual when we got together as teams. So it, it really can be either way. I think we've just gotten used to being in collaboration in person, which certainly builds bond and rapport, but we can do it virtually as well. You know, if we think of just connection um, and building connection, it can be people are using things like Slack where they communicate or, you know, Facebook instant messenger or text or emails just to bring people together to say, hey, I want to celebrate a win today, or I want to welcome this new employee that we have, or I want to, I want to give a shout out and thank somebody for, you know, an idea that they, right. So that brings community together. If we are on a team call doing a quick little icebreaker and and it's just something silly, even like asking people what their favorite ice cream flavor is may seem so trivial, but it gets people laughing and gets us connected to what makes someone else unique. So if you have these, this, way of bringing people together on a team. And I work with vendors right now where I might bring two or three vendors together and I'll say, Hey, let's welcome each other. And what, what makes you unique and introduce yourself to each other. And they might not ever see each other again, because they're, they're separate vendors, but they feel a little bit more connected to my world and they know the value each person brings. It makes them feel special, right? And, and, and thought of, um, reliability can be done anywhere, right? And in, in virtually or in the, in the, in the office, it doesn't matter. Appreciation can be virtual feeling valued and effective communication. All parts of crave can be done via email. 
via phone, right? So yeah. it's the community part that we miss being virtual 100%, but it can absolutely still be um, something that we're doing just through all these other channels that we have now. Yeah, it feels like we need to be more intentional about it because I, I think it seems to me it would be really easy to like let that go or not think about that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then that the distance becomes greater. Yes, yes, absolutely. And then you you kind of people feel alone on an island and we yeah. forget to bring them in and, and pull them in. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because it even via email when someone asks a question, it's so easy to just be like, OK, we need to fix this and we need to add this. Right. Yeah. And even myself I have to stop and be like, wow, what you did must have taken a lot of time and I can see the effort you put in and I'm really impressed with that. Thank you. Now here are the answers to your questions. Yeah. <laughs> I have to remind myself too, right? <laughs> we live in this world of like, let me just answer, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So if we can- And for some people that, that's okay, right? Some people, they, they don't mind that. That is true. And that gets into a whole nother world, right? Which is how do we work with different personalities? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just open up a whole nother can of worms here. <laughs> well, that's for a whole other episode, right? right we'll exactly. Back to that one, because that one, you know, could, could take, you know, a, a long time. But, but having said that, I would like to talk some about having a productive conversation with an employee who, you know, might not be meeting their performance goals, or they might be having behavioral issues, because I find when I, it doesn't matter what small business owner I talk to, this is one of the parts of being a business owner they hate, <laughs> you know, just, and they will avoid it. And that avoiding doesn't work. So maybe if we can give them some ideas on actually how to do that, they'll do it. Yes, 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 yes. I have spent a lot of time refining this and I finally landed on a very easy approach to having difficult conversations. It's actually the last chapter in the book. I call it the art of mastering challenging conversations. So the first thing I will say is make sure you're not in your cave. Because if you're going into the conversation, irritated, frustrated, yeah. defensive, it's just going to be a different type of conversation. So yeah. if you can spend a little time recognizing, okay, what am I, what am I saying? Why am I worked up? What's really frustrating me? And, and then go into the conversation, calm, cool, and collected. It'll, it'll make it easier. The second thing is, uh, we don't have to agree with somebody 100% to have a really effective conversation, and nor do they have to agree with us 100% of the time. Uh, but as somebody that is employing somebody, we definitely have a level of expectation and things that we are looking for. And sometimes we have to redirect the performance and other times we have to redirect the behaviors. So, uh, I have a three-step formula. I call it thoughts, fears, hopes. And I'm giving kind of the, the high-level overview here, but the yep. basic gist, and I've, Diane, I've seen this work with 
friends, neighbors, family members, teenagers. Uh, I have clients that tell me all the time, like, okay, I tried this with my, you know, my mother-in-law and it worked, or I tried this with <laughs> my aunts or my, you know, so I'm really excited to see yeah. it, see it come together. But thoughts are basically, what are you observing in a non-judgmental way? So uh, maybe it's best to see, to talk, think of an example, um, and maybe you can help me with this, but let's say business owner is struggling with one of their vendors. Would that be fair to say a vendor? Oh, sure. So let's say that the project is not coming in on time or not what they had thought it was going to be. The results weren't, weren't all that great. Right. And now there's frustration. So, okay, if you get out of the cave, got to put the frustration aside. So the thought is just, what are you observing? It's like, I'm seeing that there's been effort put into this project. I see that there's been some results that have come through. I noticed that XYZ is missing from the project. That's what you're doing. You're just stating an observation. And you may even start with what you see worked well. And don't worry, this is not the sandwich method, which we, we've heard of. Um, but it's just an observation, but also we don't want to just go right into what stinks, right? Um, then what you talk about is your fear. So um, that's really talking about your concern or your worry of what might happen if things don't change. So if it's a performance-related issue, we might say, I'm concerned if we don't change the specs in a faster way that we won't hit the timeline and then the client will be disappointed. It's, if it's behavioral, you might say something like, I'm concerned that the negativity is dragging down the productivity of the team. So in this, we're not judging them. We're not saying you're being negative or you're being late. We're, we're talking about it more from the observation of what, what you're worried about if things don't improve, right? And how yeah. it impacts the, the people around us. And then lastly is hope. So what do you hope would change uh, and how can we redirect it to something more positive? So you can say, so my hope is that we can get this assignment faster or my hope is that when we are in team meetings, even if there's something you don't like or agree with that you can still have an open mind about the changes, or you can still bring a positive idea to the team, right? So you're redirecting the behavior with what you want to see different. And then you invite a reciprocation. So it's not just you and one-sided, but you say, what are your thoughts? And you invite them to also share their thoughts, what their concerns are, or their fears, or and what their hopes are, right? And you get into dialogue that way. And that usually creates a very non-defensive way in a very open way to get connection going and to get the results that you're wanting as a, as a business owner. Wow. I love that. That's so interesting. 
I do this thing um, that I call, you, you know, it, it's not necessarily in this same frame, but I call it you, knowing your IY. So if you can say, this is what I'm working on, this is what I could, how you could help me, this is why it matters to me, or this is why it matters to the company, or, you know, what the impact will be, then people have a full picture. And so I, I like that, what you were talking about, like, you know, the fear, because it, it pulls that thread to say, okay, I'm not, this isn't an arbitrary conversation. I'm not saying that I don't like that you wore blue socks. What I'm saying is, this is a concern because this is the impact that this could have on the business, mm -hmm. which is more fact-based and less emotional. Exactly, exactly. And I, I like also what I heard you say is that you're connecting it back to that value, which is part of the crave, right? Like this is why it's important. This is yeah. why it matters. Yeah. And people do lose sight of that, especially when they're under stress. They yeah. forget like... <laughs> Or if, if it seems like a trivial task and they don't agree with the task or they don't understand yeah. or they're getting bogged down with a the task, they don't understand how it, it really ties into the big picture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. 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 All right. So let's say you do all of that and despite your best efforts, you, you just can't come to a, a better place with this employee, um, is there a way to know when it's time to just part ways, yeah. let them go? Yeah, you know, I joke a little bit because I, but my subtitle of the book is how to lead the team everyone wants to be on. And I say, look, you, you're not gonna want everyone on your team, but let's have everyone want to be on your team <laughs> because, there's this loyalty and camaraderie and, and excitement and they feel part of something, but sometimes things just don't work out, right? There's just a, um, a connection that's missing. There's some things just not flowing. Uh, there's two reasons. There's the performance reason and then there's the behavioral reason. My first suggestion is when you really know what's important to you, I would rate that employee so let's say there's like these five things. It's really important that you see um, productivity, uh, you see resiliency, accountability, um, you see flexibility and a positive attitude, right? So let's say you identify those five things as like, this is a must for the people on my team. I, I work really well when I have these five things. And then you go to rate somebody and you see that on productivity, they're like a nine, but on positive attitude and coachability and, and accountability, they're like a three. That's when you start to have a disconnect with somebody. And many people that are, are trying to figure out whether someone should stay or go feel that confusion, right? Because yeah. there's parts that they like and parts that they don't. And then on the flip, it could happen where let's say somebody's productivity is like a three, but positivity is a nine and accountability and resiliency. And they're just so wonderful to work with, but they're not bringing in anything, right? They're not productive, right? So once you, once you do that rating, you'll have a better idea of what's happening from there. 
you can have that thought, fear, hope conversation from a different lens. So it can sound a little like, you know, I notice that you are so positive on the team. I notice that when we come together, you, you just are resilient and you're strong. And when there's a customer service issue, you can handle it so well. My concern is numbers are not being hit or project deadlines are not being met, whatever it is. And we've, we've talked about the importance of that a few times. And at this stage, nothing's changing. And this is mm-hmm. when I would ask the question of, and really put the ownership back on them. Like, what is it that you need to do to make this happen in the next, you know, maybe it's 30 days, 60 days, or make this happen sooner or what it, and then if you have a behavioral problem, it's, it could sound like, I know that you're, you're very productive and I can count on you for, for deadlines being hit and goals being met. My concern is every time we're in a meeting that there's so much focus on what's broken, what's not working negativity, and it's really draining the rest of the team. And my hope is that that changes and that you're more positive, but I'm not seeing that happen. What do you need to do differently moving forward? Right? So that would be the first thing is like, let's just get really clear on what we're wanting and let's get honest with what, what you really need and, and maybe change the tone up a bit and be a bit more direct in those conversations. And if it's still not working, then you have more confidence to let somebody go because you're realizing why it's not working and you're realizing why you might be struggling to let them go. Um, Lastly, I will say that there are some people that are just not coachable. No matter how much you try to have really good conversations, they're stubborn, they're defensive, they want to do it their way or the highway. And it's really difficult to redirect somebody because they're just not open to it. And I don't care how productive that person is. If, it, if, if it's difficult to coach them, then they're usually more of a drain on the team and your resources and your, your liveliness and everyone else's. And then they create a a culture that feels toxic and negative, and that could do more harm than good. So I would be more inclined to part ways with someone like that faster. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Wow. Val, this is so, you know, valuable. I'm so grateful that you have taken the time to share this and there's so much more to learn from you and from your book chief inspiration officer uh will you tell the listeners how they can find you how they can get your book you know anything you think that they should know please yeah yeah look the book is a really great resource it a lot of what we outlined today, if your listeners find this valuable, it'll go into more detail in the book and that's available on Amazon. And then inside of the book, um, there's quizzes, there's um, access to the first module of my online course. They get a coupon code in there. Um, if they want to go straight to my website, um, I'm at www.executive-muse, muse is M-U-S-E.com. And I have tons of resources on the website and um, they can certainly get in contact. I give a free chapter of my book on there as well. So uh, lots of ways for them to, to dive into this information a little bit more, whether it's the book or coaching or courses. 
yeah. Nice. That's terrific. Thank you so much. I really, like I said, I, I really appreciate it. Love the book. <clears throat> I think it is really valuable for um, not just small business owners, but anyone who is um, leading a team, engaging with vendors, uh, you know, having to interact with people where they have an expectation of what they're going to get. So thank you so much for that. You bet. I'm really, I'm really happy. And you asked such great questions that really like naturally led through every piece of what's in the book. So, <laughs> I really <you>. appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. And listeners, seriously, you know me, uh, I interview a lot of people and I don't always say, go get the book, but this is one of these times where I'm going to say, go get the book. <laughs> It'll be really good for you uh, to have at your side as you are navigating and succeeding. So thank you, listeners. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.